ist in der Kleinstadt Winden ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. Guten Abend an alle da draußen. Ihr hört Radio Winden, Winden's number one radio station since 1953. We're turning it over to the Dark Three, only on Radio Winden. Hello and welcome to our very final Radio Winden. Oh my god. Yeah. We've got a couple emails to go through today, one of which we mentioned in our last Radio Winden, or previous mm -hmm. Radio Winden, but this will be our final wrap-up, so we're going to go through some things that writer Steven has written us, some theories that kind of blew my mind a little bit. So yeah. Let's do it. This email comes from Steven. Have you guys discussed the stuff on the wall of the Nielsen's dining room in the first episode on your podcast? I remember your discussion slash analysis of the walls of the bunker, wallpaper, adult Mikkel's art studio, Lacoon and his sons, etc. Sigmundus, Eret Lux, and artwork slash wall stuff elsewhere in the show, but I don't remember you guys talking about the stuff on the walls of the Nielsen house. I'm a late arrival to y'all's podcast, so I kind of rushed it and it's begun to blur slash run together. My apologies if you did and missed it. I don't think we did. I think we had that crazy mind-blowing conversation about the candlesticks matching the candlesticks in Adam's lair. But then yeah. other than that, we didn't talk about it. And also we wanted to know what the painting was, but never found out. Steven then follows up with an email that says, these could all just be nonsensical items or props, but dark. So here we go. So Steven actually broke down what was in... Uh, the Nielsen's house on that wall in oh, their nice. dining room. Holy crap. Yep. Yeah. I'll read through them. Stephen also followed up with some images to show exactly uh, what he's talking about. But so on the fireplace mantle, we have a family photo, two candles, an artwork of horses, a rectangular thing, handstand dude, and an antler dude. <laughs> I like the dudes. Yeah. <laughs> The bulletin board has the Nebra Sky Disc, Classical Seven Circuit Labyrinth, a cat, a cave painting drawing, stick figure drawing, dark forest drawing. Okay, those are all insane right off the bat. Those are really, really good. Paper boat, a feather, a framed triptych, a lone X triptych, Tag der Öffnen Tour 2016, Helga Pretty Joe. So these are in quotes. Hashtag Franke. Caphorn Coteta, Nielsen family photo, Marta Miko Magnus photo, Katarina photos. So just family photos in general. Photo of a mountain upside down. Uh, the as above, so below. That's yeah. That. Uh -huh. So that Nebra sky disc is really old, and it it's like the first understanding of the universe. I think is is oh, what wow. that depicts. It's let me just look that up here. But also the triptechs are interesting to me as well because three worlds, right? Yeah. So that's interesting yep. too. So the labyrinth, the cat, Schrodinger's cat, the cave painting drawing, the dark forest, all of that is really incredible. The red butterfly. So yeah. implying the butterfly effect and the red string and the red thread and the color red and all of those things and how they affect everything. And yes, so the Nebra Sky Disc is the oldest concrete depiction of the cosmos from anywhere in the world. Wow. Yeah, that's very wow, cool. Wow, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Holy shit, yeah. So there's a staircase drawing, shooting stars art, red circle spiral art, circular paper child art. Red, blue, and yellow child artwork. <laughs> Red, blue, and yellow. Yeah, it's crazy. 
a medieval-esque portrait, dinosaur, a small statue, bananas, book pages, beach photo, portrait of some jabroni, <laughs> a, frame, <laughs> a framed thing behind the two mantle figures. Just to sum up the, the bulletin board images, it's really cool because obviously we've talked about this before, how there is a team, a a prop mm -hmm. and set team who puts these yeah. together. Yep. And it's cool to see this mixture between what would a realistic family home have on a bulletin board mixed with what are some clues in like little nuggets and seeds based on the themes of the show. And mm -hmm. it's yeah. just all mixed together. Yeah. I wonder if you started the show and you paused and you went and you looked at that mantle, it kind of has everything there. You know, like you mm -hmm. could sit and extrapolate from what is on the mantle throughout yeah, the show. Exactly. It's just cool to come back to it after seeing the whole thing. And especially mm -hmm. after deep diving the way that we've deep dived on the show. Because I feel like if we had read, for example, this email, if we got it right at the beginning, it would definitely inspire us to look into some stuff. But I feel like because we've done all this sort of discussion and deep dive on it over this past year and a half, we mm -hmm. can look at all these things and we kind of already know their meaning. So it's cool to have that validation yeah. again. Just yeah. kind of go, yep, okay, so we were right about all these things yeah. we've been talking about over the last year. Definitely. Uh, I'm glad you saved this because it's a good send off for everybody to start a new rewatch, you know, like yeah. it's, yeah. it's encouraging. Yeah, for sure. The giraffe, the whale are interesting. And then the equal book volumes in both light and dark. That's pretty cool. Yeah. There appear to be around 60-ish things on the bulletin board wall, seven on the fireplace mantle. I can make out about half that stuff at best. Do y'all see anything else there of consequence or anything different? That's very interesting. Yeah, super, super interesting. Now, Stephen also emailed us something that made me really excited when I read through it. So Stephen sends us an email. Now it's titled The Freemasons, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. saying, hold on to your butts. Now, this is season one, episode one, Secrets, the opening scene of the Convald House. And in this image, he is directing our eye to this point on the ground in the corner, which has a very curious... Uh, it's just like a square of a checkerboard. Yeah. Just in the corner yeah. of the yard, which is incredibly strange. And so you're like, that's weird. What's that about? Stop. And then we start, <gasps> he starts sending us screenshots Stop. of other places where there are checkerboard or chessboard rather. Yeah. So in this image, it's the hospital scene with an adult or an elderly Ulrich. And he's wearing a sweater with this checkerboard theme All on it. Over. And he's playing chess. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing chess by himself. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a chessboard for sure. It's the same uh, size as well. Yes. And now Stephen then sends us images. Stop. Some historical Freemason. Look at the ground, dude. Paintings. So uh, this painting that we're looking at right now is, oh. I believe that's George Washington. And behind him is like, I don't want to say a throne, but it seems thronish. And on the ground that the chair is on it's the same is a checkerboard <gasps> in the same now, color here's oh my two. god that's the house yes. oh my god that's the house oh my god that's the house what the fuck <laughs> yeah what look at the look at the wait go back you gotta go back Acorn. look wow. at the look at the tapestry that's the convald house look at the where the windows are incredibly like it oh yeah. my god dude dude okay so now comes some evidence 
of more examples of the Freemason. So basically all these images are Freemason related. This is another image. It's a photograph of what I believe is a Freemason hall. And yeah. the floor has a checkerboard. Full blown um, checkerboard. Here is, wow, they like their checkerboards. Holy yeah. crap, it's, it's everywhere. Ch- ch- chessboard, I think technically, by chess, the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same checkerboard, yeah. but it's, it's chess. Yeah, these images here. Wow. Here is an image. I can't tell you what this is. I don't know what's going on in this image. It's like a ceremony of some kind. Yeah. Once again, chessboard yeah. print on the on the ground. <gasps> oh wow. In their grand hall, it's it's the entire like walkway. Yeah. Up to the chairs. Wow. <gasps> oh my God. It just seems to Dude. be a common that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. Okay. So oh my Here's here's more uh, more of that reference. Now, this is the square and compass or the symbol of the Freemasons. Yeah, this is the symbol. It has an eye above it. It looks like a compass and yeah. corner ruler. So this, is, this is that mountain as well, right? Like the yeah. as above, so below mm, is above, usually so the below. mountain <laughs> up flipped. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So here's examples of that being used. And then following that. No, stop. Following that, Stephen is now giving us images from the opening <gasps> credits of the show where it is these equal images of like a scythe it's oh, split in half wow. right we all know the intro yeah. uh-huh and it's basically references to show that the intro sort of cre- recreates this uh theme of the logo of the freemasons yeah. Oh my God. While you pull up the next pictures, just for everyone listening, the screenshots from the opening are during the mirroring moments. And there was one mirrored moment in the forest where the trees were flipped images of each other that made almost mountain shaped peaks. And then another one from the scene where Bartosh is in 1921 holding an axe by the by the caves. And the flipped version of that looks like the Mason symbol. Yeah, here is the official dark poster, and as yeah, you can holy see, holy shit, man, <laughs> holy shit, uh-huh. it's right there. The two trees, the branch, and then the yeah. opening to the cave is the same triangle as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow, absolutely wild. It's the same in the following season yeah. images as well. Even oh with the God. like eye in the sky, man. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. Wow. I just Owen Wilson wowed, but I don't regret it. (laughs) (laughs) So once again, reminding us of the typical Freemason symbolism and and imagery of this symmetrical sort of triangle and this chessboard Mm -hmm. design. Yeah, because the Freemasons has the multiple symbols from multiple different beliefs and cultures, right? On yeah. It. yeah, and I didn't know that, but her her box does have that on there. I didn't see it until mm-hmm. that screenshot, but the peace <gasps> symbol. That, oh yeah, the cross. Yeah, we the, talked about that. Like, um, all the religion symbols are there, and we were yeah. trying to figure out why they were yeah. all there. Yeah, and it's for it's Freemason. It's yeah. Freemason. That's insane. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yep. There they all are. See. Oh my God. Yep. Fucking hell. And the vine, hell, you see this dude. image, there's like vining in the, in the symbol to match the vining happening uh-huh. in the, on the oh, box. Oh, shit. And on the edges of the box, go back to the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the right-hand side is the eight, the infinite loop. But there are two. Uh-huh. Of, oh, Yeah, wow. you see it? It's, there are two of them yeah. connected together and they go down the side there. That's pretty cool. 
So two of them oh, to create wow, a whole, man. they must have made this custom. They had to have, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe, yeah, maybe they found it and were like, this is exactly what we need. That's wild. Yeah, it's in. It's Steven, insane. Steven, um, holy crap. Good find. Yeah, absolutely wild. Yeah. It's just crazy to see I'm it sorry. all put together. Go back. There was a shot of the cave again. What is that writing on the cave? Is that the, <gasps> oh. is that the Sigmundus? Oh, Sigmundus, yeah. Yeah, and then Sigmundus it's mirrored. Okay, wow. I didn't see that at the other one. That's very cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. I believe that's the third season poster. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool find, Stephen. Very cool wow. find. And again, those listening, we're going to pop all these pictures and things in the show notes for this episode. So you can also have the exciting, mind-blowing experience that we just had. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So yeah, uh, those were the two big main. Stephen also emailed us a bunch of incredible other theories that we are so excited to to go through and go over. But those were the ones that kind of blew my mind. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. And thank you so much for emailing us. Stephen. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, Stephen. And with how picture heavy that topic was, just as a reminder, since it's been a little bit, you can find these show notes at thegeekgeneration.com slash dark slash show notes. Mm-hmm. And then just find this radio win an episode, click on it and they'll be attached on that page. Yeah, absolutely wild. Thank you, Stephen, for writing us. It was an absolute pleasure to uh, brong moment with you. Yeah. All right. Now, to continue our email that we started reading last week, but we were like this. I think this is pretty close to uh, to our last episode. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Here we go. I'm going to start from the beginning just to refresh all our memories. Christopher says, hi there. I just discovered your podcast on Reddit thanks to a user I highly respect who mentioned your interpretation in the A Closed Loop episode, so I rushed to listen. First, I'm pleasantly surprised by the topic you addressed when the second half of the podcast starts about Jonas pulling the trigger five fucking times. That was so overkill. I agree so much with you all. We got the message and that event does point to a magical time force, even though a gun jamming five times is physically possible. When asked why can't there be any paradoxes, the answer shouldn't be time does not permit it or the law of time or something like that. Time is not a force that prevents paradoxes. Paradoxes are not permitted because they entail violations of the fundamental laws of logic. I also love this Ludovician type of time travel in which the past cannot change. And so causal loops can be formed. Yep. So I fell in love with the show almost immediately and admired their consistency during the first two seasons. The third season got a bit flimsy but especially because of the lack of explanations, because I believe it can still be explained. They go from the past cannot change time travel to the loophole brings branching time travel. And finally, in the last episode, to the past can change time travel. It was discussing this last episode that your podcast was brought up in the conversation. I like your interpretation of them constantly breaking the fourth wall. It's not so explicit as to interfere with our suspension of disbelief, and so it would work. What I really don't see is how your interpretation would work, and you do mention you want to continue to prove the hypothesis, so I thought I would bring a counter-argument to the table. Perfect. Ooh. You mentioned these things. We have this big causal loop, immutable, because if not, it wouldn't be a causal loop, where the beginning is the end, and the end is the beginning. Claudia uses the loophole to change things minutely to get to talking Adam into picking Jonas up and getting him out of the loop. This always happens and always will. Yes. This is one of the cats. The others being they fail and Sonia and Merrick die. Both happen and we, the audience, collapse into Merrick and Sonia being saved. I hope this is an accurate representation. 
I think it's important to note that this collapsing idea comes from the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics, which has its problems. Schrodinger came up with this famous thought experiment as a critique of what he thought of as an absurd notion of the cat being alive and dead until observed. The ever-readian many-worlds interpretation is one of the ways out. As Tanhouse says, what is reality? Is it singular in nature? Or do several parallel realities exist at the same time? To address this, Erwin Schrodinger constructed an extremely interesting thought experiment. Schrodinger's cat, could we split time and let it run in two different directions? It's not about collapsing separate realities into one, it's about splitting one reality into many. We see this in practice various times during the third season, like when Alt-Bartosh arrives using the loophole and splits reality, so we have two Alt-Martas and two Jonas, and one of each can die. In the same way, we can assume Claudia also uses the loophole so that we have two Adams. One goes on to kill Ava, and the other leaves with Claudia. After that, Claudia will go on with her path to die at the hands of Noah. And the Adam that does not kill Ava burns the paintings, although she thinks it is the one that will kill her. So yes, as you say, this always happens and always will, although stating it this way has its problems, because it can seem to imply that events repeat when that cannot be the case. But we get the meaning, nothing can change. This is in contradiction with the statement that Claudia changes things minutely, but the solution is easy. Claudia changes nothing. Unless by change we mean that she creates a branch of the timeline in which Adam doesn't leave his world to kill Ava, which is different, has changed from the one in which he does. No branch is more important than the other. Yeah. No branch is first in a linear way. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think when when we're saying, I think in general, it's just hard to conceptualize multiple realities. And so when people say, oh, you know, Claudia is making changes to things. I mean, she's making changes to what we understand to be the original timeline. Right. But she has always done this, in my opinion. That's my headcanon. Yeah. So she's not making changes in the grand as above huge scheme of everything. If you look down, she's always done these little changes to the original timeline to make this bigger picture. As you say, you know, no branch is more important than the other and all events are needed in the big scheme of things. So if we took a big eagle eye and looked down at the whole scenario, Claudia's done this every single time, but she is, she is deviating away from the original timeline. So yeah, she's making minute changes in that original timeline to create her timeline or her strip of film, but it is it is a fundamental idea that your choices, she is making her choices and, and, and it is implying a sort of determinism, but it's not, it's not fate. It's not destiny, if that makes sense. It's more like Claudia makes her decision to stray away from what she has known, the original timeline, but all the events that happened to her could only ever lead to her making the decision that she made. Mm -hmm. In that way, it's deterministic. And when we say you cannot change anything, for me, it's just like, whatever you do change is not going to affect the bigger picture or the experience as we know it, because that has already happened. You've already done it. Like we are perceiving time linearly, but it doesn't exist that way. Time is a, a side effect of either gravity or whatever it is that we're trying to figure figure out right now. But I don't think that just because we experience time linearly doesn't mean that we need to look at changing things. And I'm using air quotes when I say changing things as I need to alter this specific timeline that I am on. When you are changing things, it can be as simple as hopping from one thread that lie parallel to each other to the next. 
where you're moving from one tree or one branch or one uh, strip of film to the next and then back again. And we are trying our hardest to perceive things linearly because that's how we are taught and just how we function as humans. But the reality is we could be moving from side to side, but we just don't know, right? It's like that whole idea of trying to explain to a two-dimensional being what three-dimensional space and life is like. They're on a piece of paper. They move side to side. They can't go up and down. Imagine trying to explain up and down. It exists. There's air above you and below you, but you have no concept of what that's like. You can't get to it. It's, it's that whole idea that, yes, we're perceiving things linearly, but we might be interacting with something that exists that we can't explain, but we're just trying to squeeze it into that box. So I, I think when people say, I think we just need to be a little bit generous when people are saying things like change things or nothing can change. We're still using language, tra- trying to explain something we don't quite understand completely yet. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you because I think as well, we only have the language that we've been exposed to to discuss these things. Yeah. And for example, I'm not a quantum uh, physicist. So yeah. there's probably a lot lacking in my lexicon of ways that I can describe the passage of time in this way. So I, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's totally also agree. just a lot. There's just fundamental ideas in quantum physics and what we use today. We use both of them, but they disagree with each other. Yeah. So at some point, you know, we need to acknowledge that, okay, well, we're using this and yeah, this makes sense and this makes sense, but they don't make sense together, which is a, a logic problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, both exist, but we're, we're using them. And for some reason, they seem to function on their own, but together things get a little bit fucky as it were. Yeah. It's kind of like thinking about the fact when you, when you sit down and you really think about the ways in which we assume we are correct about yeah. how things work and how things go. It's all based on what we are capable of observing. Yep. It's our observable universe. And so there is a lot of moments where we have incredible theories that kind of interrupt our accepted understanding of how things go. And I think that we should always sort of sit down and remind ourselves that we actually have no real concrete clue. Like we've got enough of a clue for (laughs) two years now, I'd say. And it's, it's kind of building and building and building and where I can't stop thinking about it. And I think it all stemmed from, I, I very distinctly remember this as my concrete forming point, if that makes sense. So you know how you have like, especially when you're younger, and maybe this is because I'm older and I don't experience it as much anymore. But especially when you're younger, there's this point where you're you're kind of flirting with all sorts of different ideas and you're thinking, but you're not really set on one particular idea. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you might say things, but you're like, mm, I don't know what I believe yet, but there's always yeah. a moment where your feet get grounded and you go, aha, that it resonates with me. This makes sense. And my, for this moment, it's been driving me crazy. Last couple of years, I'm like, we don't know anything, anything at all. We don't know shit. And all the things we think we know, we're probably wrong. We're in a car and we're coming back from the movie. What movie was it, Mergs? Because you were there. It wasn't The Arrival. It was the other one. It wasn't Arrival. The other Um, one that everybody loves that I kind of just so-so, feel so-so about with what's his butt in it (laughs) and Anne Hathaway. What is that one? Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah. So we're coming back from Interstellar and I think four people in this car talking about the movie and what we liked and what we didn't like. And, um... I'm not like a super diehard fan of the film. I think I saw it once or twice and 
I, I liked some things about it, but it, it wasn't like I was like, hell yeah, this is the best thing I've ever seen. However, I find it very fun when two people feel very passionately about one thing, I will argue the other side because I find it very curious and interesting and, and we're not really arguing. It's just a discussion. So this is what happened. They were talking about how the movie was terrible and awful and how some key things at the very end of the film did not make sense. Don't worry, I'm not going to directly spoil anything, but some things did not make sense because that's not how science works and that's not how the world works. And in that moment, I just laughed. I could not help myself. I was like, okay, but all I could see is, no, you're wrong. The earth is not not round. Are you insane? And no, we do nothing. We, everything revolves around us. We don't revolve around a star. That's all I could think about is that 90% <laughs> or 98% of the entire world believed so fundamentally that this one guy was insane, you know? And I'm like, I, I just thought, well, we could be wrong about that, you know? And I just don't think people think about that. Not only yeah. could we be wrong, but the probability that we're wrong is astronomically high. <laughs> <laughs> because throughout history, that's all we've done. Our track record yeah. is fucking terrible. Yeah. We keep yeah. coming up with yeah. things and they are disproven. Come up with solutions and then they're not right. Yeah, yep. that's ex yep. that's exactly right. And so that, that whole idea, I think, fascinates me and it's just been kind of really gnawing at me in the back of my mind that whenever I think I know something to just let go of that idea of control, and this mm -hmm. is kind of branching into like existential philosophy and therapy hour here for a second we'll take it back to dark in just a moment but i just think like anytime i i think it's really good for me and it's, it would be great for some of the characters in dark too to relinquish that control and to relinquish that need for answers and that need for understanding which is really just control that idea yeah. that I have to have an answer, there has to be an answer, I have to understand how this works, is just, I need to know my boundary box so that I feel safe and in control. And I think yeah. just realizing that, no, we could also be wrong. Does that mean I, f I feel like we should let everything go and just wander through world uh, lawless and um, scienceless? No, I, I don't believe that. I think we should try our best. But I do think that when we get really strong-headed about something, we need to take a step back and go, well, I could be wrong about all of this. And in fact, there's evidence to support that we are wrong or that we don't have it all together because we have two principles we are using that are fundamentally a part of our daily existence <laughs> that disagree with each other. You know, like, I'm mean, in some yep. ways, as things get a lot more complex there, it's way more intricate. So I, I don't want to just say that like, break it down, but breaking it down as best I can, that is the kind of bottom line. And we need to understand that, okay, well, we don't have that piece yet. It's possible that they do function side by side, but we're wrong about one little piece of info. And once we get that puzzle piece, we'll go, oh, okay, that's why this works and this works. But as we understand it now, they shouldn't be working together. Yeah. So if that is present in our everyday lives, then of course we can be wrong about lots of things. We can be wrong about black holes and we were. And we probably still are, you know, <laughs> lots of stuff that we can be wrong about. So I, yeah, I just find that really, really intriguing. Okay. So anyway, back to the email and back to dark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He says, no branch is more important than the other. Right. No branch is first in a linear way. All events are needed in the big scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Now back to the cats. In Schrodinger's critique, the Copenhagen interpretation would be like saying that a cat is both alive and dead until observed. 
In dark, you mean Tannhaus's family is both mm-hmm. alive and dead until observed. However, I see two problems. One, the switching point is when Jonas and Altmarta arrive, and so this must be the observation. But if this is the case, the collapsing is before any event in the show happens, and so there is no superposition of Tanhaus family lives and dies. A counter-argument to this might be to state that there is a superposition of a reality that leads to Tanhaus family living yeah. and one that leads to them dying, but that takes us to my second problem. Jonas and Altmarta are a product and a result of Tanhaus's family dying, which means that actually happens. But remember the cat is alive and dead until observation, when one state is decided. Mm-hmm. If there is actually a collapsing for Jonas and Altmarta to exist, that decided state has to be Tanhaus's family dying. And so Adam and Ava's worlds are created, the events in the show unfold, and finally they were able to jump in a manner that permitted the past to change and prevented the accident. There is no superposition. It is linear. At T1, 1974, Tanhaus family dies, which leads to Tanhaus building his machine. At T2, at 1974, Jonas and Altmarta appear to save Tanhaus's family. And no superposition means no collapsing. Christopher then responded, I just thought that I wrote Tanhaus family died in 1974. I obviously meant 1971. My bad. So a couple things that immediately popped to mind. I don't think the switching point is when Jonas and Altmarta arrive. Yeah. And I don't think that's the observation. I think literally the opening of season one, the entire three seasons is the observation. That's us. That's our effect on everything. So just to get that out there, that's that's my headcanon and I'm sticking to it. But that would imply that, yes, both Sonia and Merrick die. His family dies and it causes him to make this time machine. Now, here is where... The two boxes are created, in my opinion, from this point forward. He creates this time machine and now we've got a box where they succeed and a box where they do not succeed. Right. And those are the two boxes. And in one box, they are endlessly looping and Adam is trying to get them out of that box, but they will always be in that box because they've always repeated and he will always be stuck looping forever and endlessly and blah, blah, blah. And then there's another box where they do succeed and Marta and Jonas hop out. And now we're hopping, remember again, not from a linear strip where everything occurs on one strip, but we're hopping from multiple realities where they now leave the reality in which Tanhouse's kids died and they shift to the reality in which they survived mm-hmm. because of his time machine. But in this thought experiment, time is both linear and not, ironically. It is, we're experiencing it linearly, but the realities are side by side so we can move from one to the other. But our experience will always remain linear because we're one human. Yep. Yep. One viewer. And it's interesting to to note as well, like the the format of storytelling and televised storytelling and series storytelling Mm -hmm. also really fits into that because telling a linear story to some extent is the way that we observe reality and life. And it's kind of the only way that we can really absorb information. Mm -hmm. And draw understanding. Yeah. I mean, there is nonlinear storytelling, of course. I don't mean to say that it's impossible to tell a story when it doesn't occur linearly. But I do think that there's an element of very clear linear storytelling that happens in dark that I think supports the the supports the theory or at least like supports that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there are lots of different time travel theories on how it would work if it did work. And actually, I think you can apply a couple more 
to the way dark functions and the end of the show. But my personal favorite is is the one I just laid out yeah. where they're switching in the Schrodinger's box. I just think Acorn blew my mind with that. And there's no going back for me. That moment <laughs> is now grounded yeah. and solidified yeah. just, just like the other one that we could be wrong. I mean, I could be wrong, obviously, because it's fiction. And, and there it's could interpretation. Be, yeah. yeah, it's interpretation. But that one's my favorite for sure. And I'm, I'm so glad that you just went through and laid out when the boxes were created and mm -hmm. what we meant by talking about, we observed one of the mm -hmm. cats because yes, that is exactly how I understood it. There wasn't really a switching point anywhere in the course of the story because it always was. It always was. Yeah. 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 For sure. I definitely believe we've always been observing. Now, I think what's interesting about that is I think it gets confusing because, you know, we're observing through timeline one, right? And then we're like, okay, so, but then the change happened, but no, it's like, we're observing both boxes. We just don't realize it until the end, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there are moments where we're observing box one and moments where we're observing box two, but the entire thing is just our observation. Yep. And so this time it works because we're watching the show. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's the reality that we perceive and we, we take away with us. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And they show us all of the stuff so that we fully comprehend everything, you know, like obviously they didn't need to show us everything for us to fully understand it. But that's what makes it so beautiful, in my opinion, is that we don't realize we're doing the Schrodinger's experiment until it's over mm -hmm. and well over a year and a half over until Acorn <laughs> point, points it out in a <laughs> podcast episode. You know, and then we so, lose yeah. our goddamn minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. Also, uh, Christopher did because we read uh, part of Christopher's email in mm -hmm. the, our last radio window. Mm -hmm. He did, in fact, write us. Oh, cool. Uh, four hours ago. Uh, saying, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> saying awesome. I thought you might have so many emails. I didn't expect you to to get to read mine. Thank you. And I didn't think my Reddit post would pique your interest. I feel so honored. That's very cool. The downside is that I wrote it some time ago and I've spent some months writing a new and expanded version. <gasps> As such, I would rephrase a few things and I might have changed my opinion on a thing or two, but I will still stand by 99% of it. So it's still fine. I guess you will have recorded your last episode, but I'm up for it if you have any doubts or questions. Thus illustrating. <laughs> <laughs> We're wrong, dudes. Humanity We're always is wrong. wrong. <laughs> We're going to be changing our opinion and Christopher fucking hats off to you friend for yeah, yeah. not only changing your opinion and being open to changing your opinion but f fucking emailing us about it being like well you know yeah. i might have changed my mind on some things even though i sent <laughs> spent a uh it's well over three thousand words this reddit post by the way mm -hmm. yeah that he poured his time and energy into and included citations to research that exists like lots of it very 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 well done so yeah very very interesting and we will definitely link it in the show notes so that everybody can go take a peek and dive in. Mm -hmm. So you, Christopher, you have like two days. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> to edit it and finish it. That's the thing though. That's the thing though, is that everything changes. You know, you're going to write mm -hmm. this and then, yeah. Yeah, that's the sort of prevailing, I think, not lesson, yeah. but takeaway, I suppose, is yeah. that we are always learning and shifting and moving and growing and learning new things that add to our pile of knowledge and mm -hmm. the knowledge never ends. And there's always something new to to learn and to learn that you were wrong about and to learn that you were maybe right about, but I don't think we're right about anything either. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I think one of the things, Christopher, that intrigued me specifically about uh, your post 
just to as why I made the decision I made, because it was through reading some of what you wrote that maybe solidified where I felt and, you know, my interpretation of the story. You had said, Tanhouse talks about splitting reality, which we do see, but we can infer that this only happens three times in Adam's world. I disagree. I think it's happening a lot, but we're only observing what we're observing, right? Because there are infinite possibilities and a million different things people can decide to do. But we can't comprehend all of that. Remember, it's the 2D to the 3D. So we're only seeing what we can kind of really wrap our brains around and what pertains to this particular bit of the story. In either way, all of those events are fixed. Jonas leaving with Alt-Marta or with Adam or hiding in the basement. These things happen at once at the same time on different branches of the timeline. If Claudia keeps creating branches, where are all of these Claudias? So I think two things are happening here at once. You've got the passing of information, which isn't really passing of information. It's Claudia switching from one branch to the other. She may be creating them or discovering them. And I think it's easier for my brain personally, if I think of it as stumbling upon a different branch rather than creating one, because mm -hmm. that branch has always existed. She just switches into that branch when she makes a decision that doesn't fit into the branch she's currently on. So it's, it's like that. It's like a tree. And so she's just switching branches and moving back. And that's how her information is being passed. And we are following that particular Claudia that's moving from one to the other. However, there are situations where all these branches exist at once and two Marthas end up in one branch at the same time. And that's what I think is happening in Dark and why Claudia, we don't see a million different Claudias, but Marta, we see a couple of different Martas, especially because they're really close to the knot and all of their decisions always come back to the same place. Mm -hmm. So that's just my theory. It's probably wrong. I have a question mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious because as you were talking just now, I kind of my brain kind of like went off in, in listening and extrapolating on its own, I guess. The idea that starting or beginning or this is the start of something, part of me wonders is like the moment something begins to exist, it always existed. Yeah. Is yep. kind of what I think, you mm -hmm. know, it's like. There was never a moment where things begin existing. They always the existed. The beginning is the end. Yes. The beginning is the end. Absolutely. It's just the way that we, it's the moment that we observe them or the moment that we become aware of them or cognizant of them that brings them to existence for us. Yeah. They were but, always there anyway. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's, that's an interesting thought experiment because again, we are linear creatures and it's very mm -hmm. difficult for us to conceptualize something like that. The idea yeah. that, and, and it, it pulls into question things like fate and determinism, you know, because again, it's hard for us to conceptualize that, you know, I want my decisions to matter. And am I always destined to do this? You know, it, it makes me feel like I'm not making any of my decisions. No, 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 no. You are making your decisions. It's just everything that led you to this moment, everything that's happened to you, you will, you will make the decision that you're going to make because people are trying to do the best that they can at any given moment. Most of the yeah. time, I'd say like 99% of the time, everybody's still doing the best thing that they can do in that moment. And I'm not, that's not a moral thing. Maybe best isn't the right word to use there, but you know, they, they're reacting within parameters mm -hmm. that have been set for them. That's exactly mm -hmm. right. And, yep. and I, I think it's like very interesting to think that, um, if you pull back somehow and are able to see things in a nonlinear way, then it makes total sense. Yeah. And it's, it's also because I think so much of our life is dictated by birth and death. So we have a beginning and we have an end, but I think what we yeah. oftentimes forget is we are not an individual 
creation. We are made up of energy. We are made up of yeah. matter that has come from all over the somewhere. universe, from somewhere else. Yeah. Energy, we, and this could be proven wrong, who knows, but as of now, we know that energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just I know, it doesn't changes. go anywhere. It just changes. So where yeah. the fuck is it going when you, you know, like, yeah, I fucking love that, mm -hmm. by the way, Acorn. That's one of my favorite things to think about at 3am when I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, having my yeah. nightly existential crisis. I think about that one a lot. <laughs> uh -huh. It actually <laughs> gives me peace because it almost like takes pressure off of me for, you know, living an incredible existence because it all rides on me. You know, the yeah. X amount of years I have on this, on this plane of existence, like, yeah. you know, got to make it good. But if I think about it as I'm just one link in a long chain of experiences that will extend far beyond myself because yeah. I am just made up of pieces of matter from all over the world and the universe. It, it gives me some peace. Yeah. We're all made yeah. of stardust. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's that train of thought that you're on about energy, because I think we learned that pretty young in school and then they just fucking forget about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, oh, by the way, matter is neither created nor destroyed and moving on. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> So mm -hmm. when, when I learned that in school, that began my personal, and again, I could be wrong, but my personal belief is, you know, more on the agnostic train of not really believing yep. in Same. one higher power or anything like that. But that thought is what started that spiral for me personally, where I was like, okay, well, if energy is neither created nor destroyed, you know, what is a soul? then like you know like yeah. and just thinking about all of these these things and like that's what began my descent into the <laughs> thought of thinking like well maybe reincarnation is true and then i just went from one thing to the next until yeah. eventually I, I i wound up where i am but I yeah that that fascinates me especially with the new information about the black hole stuff which i'm going to go on about because yeah. since we recorded our black hole episode more <laughs> information came out so you know i'm just like uh, don't mind me. I'm over here losing my mind about black holes and white holes and you know what it all means. D okay. So did we talk about this on the podcast already about the white hole discovery? No, I don't, I don't think, think so. so you linked us oh my God. Okay. Offline. Okay. So since we did our black hole episode, we th now come out with more information about the existence of white holes, but, but just follow me for just two seconds. Cause it's very fascinating. So, Okay. White holes have been, are you laughing at me? White holes have been posited. <laughs> theory came out in like 2015 or something like that. So it's not brand new, but the information that's just now come out about black holes brought this other information from 2015 forward as like, oh, dude, these guys might be right. Um, so here's the idea as best as my layman brain can explain. <laughs> so we understand black holes as sucking in everything the light touches, right? It's just sucking in everything. Um, we've recently learned that it is in fact also leaking out some information, some radiation, but that is not from anywhere that they can understand, right? So it's just like leaking this new information, this new radiation, new data. And it's like, what the hell now? So we've got this idea of this black hole, but everything that we know about the black hole would imply that there is the opposite exists as well, which is the white hole, the thing that is expelling everything. However, the way that I think the light works and the way that the white hole would have to exist means we would never, ever be able to see it. 
with the technology that we have now, mm. which means a, they could have already existed. And so now we're like, okay, we're trying to figure out if we can pinpoint where a white hole is by what's happening around it. And we're looking for pockets in space like that. So we can deduce that it exists maybe sort of concretely without seeing it with observable eye. But the whole idea that like the light and dark as we're going through this podcast and then discovering that, you know, black <laughs> holes and now there's a white hole. And then, you know, that also maybe implies that there's what is going on in our observable universe. I just, you know, it's just all, it all leads back to dark and just as above, so below bullshit. I just, <laughs> oh, I'm so into it. But yeah. That's, that's on my Google alert right now. That's on my email <laughs> alert. Please Aww. email me about any white hole, black hole discoveries, please. Cause I'm, I'm super into it. It's very intriguing. Mm -hmm. See, that's the difference between you and me, because I think the only one that I have uh, is Yuri on Ice updates. Oh, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, contrast. Oh. <laughs> and I'm over here not knowing that Google can alert you about things. So I have no alerts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's almost like what's cool about thinking of, of that is that it's almost like a law of the universe in mm -hmm. and of itself. Yes. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's that whole thing with time as well, right? Like if you think about time as a symptom of potentially gravity, which is hard to comprehend for me as as well as I'm sure many others, I'm, unless you know, maybe you're a fucking scientist listening to this podcast, in which case, what are you doing? We don't know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think it's like fascinating because when we leave Earth and the further we go out into space, our concept of time changes. Time yeah, passes differently. So right? fascinating. So that's super fascinating because it implies it is intrinsically linked to something that we are experiencing on the planet. And the only mm -hmm. thing I can think of is gravity. Like, yeah. you know, and, and, and maybe it's like so minuscule that even when you're on somewhere like Mars, that's got like a different planetary gravitational pull. Maybe it's the gravitational pull to the sun. Maybe it's not the gravitational pull to Earth, but it's the fact that the Earth is pulled in and rotating at a certain point from the sun. And that gravitational relationship is what causes our experience of time to be the way that it is. That's just fascinating. Which means each solar system, each galaxy could have its own version of time. Which blows the yeah. Fermi paradox right out of the water, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Very interesting thought experiment, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Now I'm I'm spinning out into space. Yeah, me too. That's okay. It's so <laughs> thinking good. about the fact that like our so like literally everything that uh, our entire experience of life and living, which we spend our entire life waxing on about and trying to understand, yeah, is just constantly being proven to be defined by undefinable things. Yes, that's absolutely and right. We are just constantly trying to find reason and purpose to undefinable, almost reasonless things. But there's a beauty in that in and of itself, you yeah. know, like our star just happens to be able to hold life here, you know, yeah. and mm -hmm. that that fact that we can sit here recording a podcast about a TV show that we watch that has time travel in it. And that makes us really excited yeah. um, only because our star just so happened to be the perfect temperature just a bunch of asteroids collided into creating a planet and then it was just happened to create life. You know, it's just yeah. all of these things that I believe yeah. our brains truly can't comprehend. Yeah. I think it even goes so far as to like, I don't want to like talk about social media or something, but I think like our brains are really only able to comprehend like the existence of like 100 other people maybe. 
you know, so it's just like, this. I actually think that's very interesting. And you should yeah. go ahead and expand yeah. on that because I mean, we don't have to go in on why we dislike social media, but, but it is an interesting, interesting revelation, I think. Yeah. I, I just think that our minds are really designed for a certain purpose and that's to like keep us alive. But I yeah. think that past a certain distance and past a certain point, we lose the ability to actually comprehend the reality of a certain amount of people or a certain yeah. amount of things or a certain amount of time or a certain mm -hmm. amount of, you know, et cetera. I think because we're designed to pursue and exist only within our a own small community. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And that, that kind of permeates through the rest of our existence. So now that we have something like social media that connects yeah. us technically to the whole world, I think yeah. people still think within a community space. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. And I think that's why perhaps we see some of the issues that we see today where, um, you know, you, a lot of people talk about echo chambers or things like that. I mean, like our entire social media system, our entire social media system is built around creating communities within pockets of people. And, you know, you go on to Twitter or you go onto TikTok or you go onto Facebook and like your community is either your family or just like the people who are surrounding you and their prevailing information is going to define your reality yes. and your ex existence yes. and your perception of what life, the world, everything is. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to remind yourself or at least to take a moment to think like, the things that I believe, the things that I believe are happening, the reality just, that I have yeah, around me. Yeah, I was going to say, not even just the things that I believe that are happening around me, but my fundamental experience of life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Is completely is different from somebody, yeah. you know, in yeah, Ireland. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. And and someone who is not on social media or yep. someone who someone who grew up in a different time period, you yeah. know, it's just like this this thing that I think we all take for granted, which is, I think, goes back to your point about feeling like we have solid ground beneath us yeah. is just not there and it never was. And I think that we need it in order to move forward and find the next thing and to continue our species. And I think to a certain extent, thinking is kind of bad for you. <laughs> That's my opinion <laughs> at the moment. Um, I, <laughs> but you know, this, this concept of we know these things to be true mm -hmm. is not true. It's defined by whatever happens to be around us at yeah, any yeah. given time. It's yeah. true for and us because yeah, it's we been, need these yeah. things to be true right yeah. now in this moment, yes. in this particular yeah. moment, I need to know that yeah. the iron is hot and do not touch it. You know, yes, like exactly. it's just those fundamental things that we need to exist and to experience everything. And I agree with that. And I just think like, and there's also so many multiple layers, right? So you have one person sitting down at their phone, pulling it out, getting ready to write a tweet. And they're like, I just need to get this out. But they are only thinking of maybe 100 people reading it, mm -hmm. even if they have 5,000 people following them or 10,000. Mm -hmm. They're not really able to conceptualize each individual life that is going yeah. to see that and be, you know, you cannot, you cannot do it. Maybe. Yeah. I can't. I certainly know I can't. But imagine me 10,000 times. And all the different yeah. things I'm going that have going on in my life and all that stuff, you just can't do it. Yeah. So let alone, those are just the people that are following you. Yeah. But 
the entire world on social media can still read and look at your post. Mm -hmm. Somebody that doesn't follow you can see it and look at it and be affected by it or, you know, not, not be affected by it. You know, it's just like this whole idea that literally anybody can read what you're putting out there. And I think, I think people just forget that they can't, they can't conceptualize that, which is interesting because it just brings back to, you know, our experience and how we're going through the world. And I think it's interesting to think, what if everything was happening all at once, which is hard for us to conceptualize because again, we're that 2D trying to understand a 3D scenario. But if it was happening all at once, it's possible that we're just experiencing what we're experiencing because we're that 2D, we're that 2D creature. Mm-hmm. But right next to me could be somebody else living in this apartment 30 years ago, you know? And yeah, like I, yeah. but it, we could be right next to each other in the same space. We're just, I'm just experiencing it in a certain way because that's how I function. That's how yeah. I navigate through the world. But that doesn't mean that it exists for everyone and that everything navigates the world in this way. <laughs> you're, you're in your own time stream yeah. and there could be other time yeah. streams happening. Actually, this is very topical yeah. because the Marvel show, What If, recently launched on Disney Plus Ooh, and it explores that. that yet. Oh mm. gosh, it's it explores this very this very thing. What if mm. something happened that fundamentally changed the stories that we so very know and love? Like, yeah. what if this person died before they became a hero? How would that ripple through that reality? Ooh, that's so good. Yeah. So like, and the whole, the whole premise is there's this being called the Watcher, this cosmic being who does not affect or change or dabble in anything that's happening, but he is, or they are perceiving all of creation happening all at once and recognizing certain stories from the others and comparing them. And he's actually talking to us, comparing them to the stories that we know, like, you know, we know of the Avengers. Well, what if the Avengers all died before they become heroes? What if, what if, what if it's so fascinating? I just, that springs to mind a thought of this need or this unconscious thing that we do, I think as humans to apply us to any other creature out in existence where we have to say there is an observer, but they are they have very human-like qualities yeah, and you know, know. They, can, they can observe everything that's happening and then they, they speak to us. But what if that big observer is just time or space or gravity or energy or, you know, what if it is not, not human in nature at all? You know, what if a higher power does exist, but that higher power isn't man-like at all? Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. that it's just, and it doesn't function the way that we function. What if it's just energy? What if it's so many things? I love what if, what if games are my it's favorite. It's almost like we projected our, our tendency to create other things in our own image on God. Cause that's how yeah. God is yeah. described. You know, he yeah. created man in his own image. It's like, well, that sounds familiar. That's yeah. what we do. Yeah. But like, if you think about it too, what if God does exist and Jesus was the son of man and he was trying to explain to people of that time period, the information, it, just fucking imagine that for five seconds. Uh-huh. <laughs> you cannot say, you cannot say to somebody. So in 2000 years, there's going to be a thing called social media that connects everybody on the planet. And you're going to use a little device on your phone, blah, blah, blah. No, instead, they're going to say the mark of the beast is going to be a fucking cell phone. It's going to be visible. Everybody can have one, you know, stuff like that. I just think about like, you know, what would you do to try to conceptualize and explain yeah. to someone who fundamentally cannot comprehend that? You can't because time. so much you of cannot. our reality, and this is where it goes into a territory that I love, theory as words, 
our words, our language defines our reality yeah. because we yep. can only understand what we have names for. Yep. That, yeah. That is so fascinating. Like if, if Mind blowing. this yeah. is your thing, go look up the Sapir-Whorf theorem. How, yes, they, oh my God, yeah. like they found that certain groups of people around the world do not have names for certain colors because they don't, they don't experience those. Green is green. Blue is blue. There's no you know, jade and I don't know, leaf green and any word that we have to distinguish certain shades of color from each other. There are certain colors that don't even exist in their culture because they just don't have a reason to name them. And so if you show them like researchers went and they show them two different like color cards and they're like, that doesn't look like anything to me. That's red. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think on that same topic, there was, and please correct me, someone needs to just double check and correct me, but I believe that there's a, an indigenous tribe that thinks of time differently than we all think of it. Mm -hmm. They believe that the past moves in front of them and that the future lies behind them. And as a result of this conceptualizing time in a sort of an opposite direction, it changes their perception of existence just because that's how they function. Mm -hmm. On that note as well, I am watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. And if you've not watched Star Trek Deep Space Nine, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite shows of all time now. But it takes place on a space station near a planet called Bajor. And Bajor is a very spiritual and religious planet. And they believe in the prophets. And in the first episode, you find out that like the prophets are actually a alien race of beings living inside this wormhole that opens up next to Bajor. And these alien beings experience time all at once. They have no concept of linear time. They experience time uh, exactly as you were saying, the mm-hmm. beginning and end of everything constantly happening. So because they know what's going to happen and they connect with people on Bajor, Bajor has turned their quote-unquote teachings into prophecies, the prophets. And I think it's one of the most interesting religious spiritual representations in sci-fi because to a certain extent, the prophets are exactly that. They are prophets to these people. Mm. They know everything that's going to happen. They are actively sort of like trying to take care of them. They know what each decision leads to. They aren't creators and they're not exactly a god. They're a being, a, a collection of beings that happen to know everything that's going to happen. So it's this very interesting dynamic in the show where, you know, the people of Bajor believe in the prophets in a religious sense, but the prophets are also scientifically doing what they believe them mm. to be doing. Yeah. So it's just this like very fascinating marriage, really, between the two. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's actually like given me a lot of pause and thought about how we, again, perceive certain things as religious in nature or spiritual in nature or scientific in nature. When it's like, really what, just experience in nature. It's all of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. it's just an experience. It's how you're perceiving everything. Yeah, I totally agree yeah. with that. So yeah. to hit back up to the indigenous information, I do have a short little paper from McGill University, What is Time? Indigenous Conceptualizations of Time in the GeoWeb by Genevieve Reed and Renee Cyber. So you can Google that and that'll come up. And that is a very interesting read that touches on exactly what you were, you were talking about. And then it offers further information. So cool. you can begin your dive that way. I also think like a an example that... I have very briefly encountered, and I'm sure Merkel's has now as well, is with Germany. 
which is mm-hmm. topical. They have words that we, in English, we do not have. Mm-hmm. And my sister lived there for a, a time and tried to explain to me certain concepts that they have around, they even have a word for it. And I'm like, what? And I just, it's difficult for me to understand that or knowing that they have a word for it becomes much easier for me to communicate this one particular idea. But because we don't have it in English, I never get to communicate that idea. And so therefore that idea is not fostered. It doesn't grow. I don't then expand on that idea. It's never challenged Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So the whole idea that our growth and our perception is based on how we communicate. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Untranslatable words are yeah. one of my obsessions. I love yeah. them yeah. so much. Also, if if anyone has not heard of it, the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows is yes. gorgeous. And it's someone who's taking that concept of untranslatable words and creating new words to mean certain things. And he is an incredible filmmaker yeah. and has made beautiful videos to go along with them. And I think Sonder is a word that he created that goes along with this conversation we're having, which is the realization that every single person you pass in life has their own story. They are the own, yes. they are the main character in their own story, surrounded mm-hmm. by friends and family who are their supporting characters. But we are literally all walking through life the same exact way, but we forget that because we see ourselves as the primary character in our world. And that's not the case. Everyone is having that same experience. And so it's just one of those mind blowing moments where you realize the world is bigger than you originally thought. And it, it challenges your perception of life in a lot of ways. So I highly recommend it. Yep. So, so, so good. And we'll include that in the show notes as well. What a lovely, wow, what a great, what a lovely conversation. conversation. I was just thinking yeah. that like that was very, very lovely, reminiscent of, I'd say earlier episodes. It was, I, I feel yeah. like, cause we would just go off on random tangents, but so yeah, thank you, Stephen. And thank you, Christopher for spurring on that lovely conversation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. thank you everybody for writing in to be a part of the conversation through the entirety of this show that we've done together. It's really made a difference. We've enjoyed reading them. We've enjoyed sharing them on the show. We've enjoyed the conversations that have come from that, the challenges, the, um, I'm getting a little emotional. Hold on. We have really enjoyed going through all of that together, challenging our current reality, our current experience and perception and, uh, growing and learning from that. And just talking about it together has been quite lovely. I feel like we've all shared something very important in this small span of time, this little pocket but I will look back on this project very fondly. Yeah. And I will remember that through this project, we were able to touch other main characters in other areas, and those main characters were able to touch us. So thank you for writing in. We really appreciate it. Ah, our last Radio Winden. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll and do it. just, I mean, regardless, one last thing, regardless of whatever you personally believe or whatever your personal experience is right now in life, this this is it. And even if it isn't it, if there is reincarnation, this is the only time you will experience it this way. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing your experience with us. Thank you for sharing your experience with us. I say that on my stream. I say, thank you for existing and sharing your existence with me. I think I've said it once or twice on the podcast before, but seriously, I mean that and go tell your story and, and try to pull yourself out of the micro experience to remember the macro because it readjusts you. It realigns you. It reminds you, oh, you know what? I did always want to learn the violin. Stuff like that. But if you get too into the micro, time will just pass. Yeah. Micro is isolating. Macro is uniting. Yeah. And there's a balance between both. But yeah. Thank you. This has been amazing. Yeah. Oh, 
All right. Yeah. Well, that's it for our radio, Winden. Thank you so much again for writing us. Uh, if you would still like to write us and we can still read your emails, feel free to do so at darkcompanionpod at gmail.com. We will be back next week with our final episode. And thank you, dark friends, from the bottom of our little dark hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. I'm feeling ooey gooey and my yeah. heart beats. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 Thank you for tuning into Radio Winden. That's all for now. Until next time. <laughs>